0: Welcome to the Help Me Abide podcast, a program dedicated to helping you have a closer walk with God by sharing biblical truths and relatable testimonies of women who have overcome. Whether you're a seasoned believer or just starting your spiritual journey, this podcast has something for you. Each episode will supply encouragement and wise practical advice to inspire and challenge you to abide in the one who has all the answers to life's questions. A woman who abides in the shadow of the Almighty is a woman who lives safe and secure. Sit back and enjoy a few minutes of positive conversation with your host, Jennifer Beal and friends. Help me abide in the wine you hide the heart
1: Welcome back to the Help Me Abide podcast. Today's episode, we are so happy to have Mindy Tinkson on this bonus episode. Mindy is a joyful missionary who has dedicated her life to serving the people of Australia. She has been living on the mission field for over two years and her family is currently planting their first church in the mid north coast of New South Wales. They have seen God bring people in from all over the area that have been searching for the answer. Mindy is my friend. She's a talented writer, a thought-provoking conversationalist, and a true lover of God and his word. Her favorite food in Australia is fish and chips. Join us as we learn more about her inspiring journey and the incredible work she is doing to help those in need of the answer, Jesus. All right. Hello, listeners. I'm excited to introduce you to Missionary to Australia, Mindy Tinkson. Mindy, welcome to the Help Me Abide podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yay. So a lot of you who listen to the Friend to Friend podcast would recognize Mindy Tingson's name. She was our, what do you call yourself, social media director? The social media coordinator. Yeah, I think that's what it was, the coordinator yes and she did a wonderful job on the social media and i did not know mindy before that we met through jessica which i'm so grateful for because as soon as i met her at friend to friend live i don't know two years ago i was like yep kindred spirits no doubt about it (laughs) absolutely god (laughs) really knit us yeah (laughs) definitely i felt i felt close to you right away so i'm grateful for friends who introduce us to friends Yes, it's a beautiful thing yeah so Um, First, Mindy's going to tell us what, uh, what your childhood was like.
2: Okay, so my childhood was really stable, and it was grounded in the church. I was born and raised at the same church my mom had been a part of since she was a teenager. All of my extended family on my mom's side, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, they all lived in the same town that I did. We all went to the same church, worked in the same ministries together, celebrated all the holidays together. It was a really wonderful and loving way to grow up. And because I had grown up in the church, I, like many who have the same background as I do, thought I had gotten saved at a younger age. I remember at Christian school, some kids had come into school saying that they had gotten saved. And since I didn't want to feel left out, I had major FOMO, I told my mom I wanted to be saved too. And I had no idea. I had no idea what that meant. I was probably five, six years old. And so i had grown up in the church. I was 13 and a part of the youth ministry. I was going soul winning. I was leading people to Jesus, all the while feeling convicted every single time I read the Romans road. Embarrassment was really the thing that held me back. You know, what would people think? Would they think I was a fraud doing all these things for God? And none, none of it was really true, but I disappoint my parents or my teachers or my family. And it wasn't until I attended a youth conference that Jesus broke through those barriers and told me that he loved me <clears throat> and he wanted to save me. And I accepted Christ as my savior right then. And it's a decision that I've never wanted to turn back from.
1: So after you got saved, what happened in your life? So yeah, so I continued growing up in the church and was
2: involved in all sorts of ministries, doing all sorts of different things wherever I was needed. I was pretty much there. Um, graduated from high school at, a, at our Christian school and felt the call to go to Hiles Anderson in Hammond, Indiana. Um and it was there I was a freshman in in college and that was when I met my husband who was a senior in college. Yeah. And so we didn't start dating until April of his senior a month before he graduated, which was just a great timing, really. Um (laughs) (laughs) and so so we great timing for him. I know I mean nothing like waiting until that last moment, right? Oh yeah, I'm graduating. I should probably find. By the way, real quick, I should probably find someone. (laughs) Here's a freshman. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love my husband. I chose too. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So he actually he was from Australia already. So he was four. He was he had been born in the Philippines. He was four when his family migrated to Australia, and he went to Indiana for Bible college. So he was. He was And during our summer breaks here in the States or there in the States, I should say, um, he would go back to Australia. And so we had dated for a month and then he went back to Australia for three months. (laughs) And that was before FaceTime. um, Makes me sound really old. That was before FaceTime. um, That was before text messaging. And so we had Skype. We had Skype dates. And if we missed our date, then we didn't talk that day.
0: (laughs) It was a whole wow. thing, a
2: whole thing. Yeah. And so then he came back. It was my sophomore year. He did his master's. And then at the end, he's like, well, um, you know, they don't do our doctorate. So you want to just get married? It's like, yeah, let's just get married. <laughs> How romantic. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it was so much more romantic than that, I promise you. But that was like the gist. <laughs> yeah. And so we, um, I, we were supposed to get married. We got engaged December of 2007. We're supposed to get married September of 2008. He got into the country two weeks before our wedding and was denied entry because he got in on the wrong visa and so had to get shipped back to Australia. And that took like another 10 months to get him back in the country. And we got married July of 2009. Actually, on Tuesday, we celebrate our 14th anniversary. So wow, wow. as much as I don't wish that on anybody, it was actually a really great way to see number one, God work because God did work through yeah. all that. He, he was there and he was present in all of it. And two, also to help really strengthen our relationship a little bit better. Um, really get time to get to know each other, give us time to really prepare for our marriage. Um, and I'm thankful for it. I don't wish it on anybody, but I'm thankful for it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I can understand. I know that I know that sentiment. I don't wish this on anybody, but no. you know what it was really good for me.
2: Yeah, 100%. Yes, 100%.
1: So you guys got married and then did you start deputation right after you got married? No, so he actually got a job working for my home church in
2: Michigan, Slatecrest Baptist oh. Church. Um, so he okay. worked there as a school teacher and a pastor's assistant for about seven years, um, and then we, through a course of events that God one hundred percent orchestrated, we had a missionary couple come in that we hadn't known before. They were missionaries to Australia, and they were back on furlough in the states, but not because they wanted to be. Um, they were there because. Australia had just done away with all the religious workers visas. So it got really, really difficult for Americans to get into Australia. It's still kind of difficult and takes a long time mm. for Americans to get into Australia to minister as a missionary. And so naturally, that, that just broke my husband's heart. Here he was, a citizen to Australia. He had every right to go back and forth between Australia and America, he had just got. I think he was just getting his American citizenship too. So he could go back and forth as often as he wanted to. And it was like, God was saying, what are you doing? Why are you still wow. here? Um, and so shortly, a couple of years after that, um, we started deputation in 2018, did three years of deputation um and then landed in Australia August of 2021 and so it'll be 2 years this August that we've been here in Australia. Two
1: years. Mm-hmm. Wow, time has flown. Yeah. I that feel like really we just
2: is. got there. I, I, same, Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So
1: were you missions majors either of you?
2: No. Mm-mm. I did elementary education, he did pastoral and then his masters was in administrative education.
1: What a story. That's awesome. So has he or you communicated with those missionaries who came through and said, Hey, just so you know, um, you know, I'm not sure. I honestly, I didn't know. We didn't know who they were for the longest
2: time. Honestly, we had no idea. I think we may have found them on Facebook. Um, but I don't know that my husband's ever really reached out because they're still, they're still in the States now. I think God is change their ministry and their state side now. Yeah. Um, So
1: they're going to have surprises in heaven when they realize. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they had no idea. Yeah. Unbelievable. (laughs) So, so neat. Yeah. So in retrospect, can you see God preparing you in your childhood in any particular way to be a missionary?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, God uses everything to prepare anybody for whatever he has for them. You know, because my family had all gone to the same church, we were all involved in the different ministries. As a young teenager, I bounced around a lot from one ministry to the other, as a fill-in mm-hmm. for when they needed help. And so, I was working in the bus ministry, helping in Sunday school classes, helping my parents with uh, catering at the church, preparing promotions for special Sundays. I was singing in groups and choirs, setting things up, bus calling, door knocking. I literally, I did a lot of things around the church. Yeah. Um. Just wherever the help was needed, I just kind of jumped right in. So as a teen, it felt like ministry was literally all that we ever did. Our lives revolved around the church. But now that we're on the field and we started our first church, I can see how bouncing to fill in one ministry need to another has really helped and equipped me for where we're at now. Um, The needs are endless and the workers are few. So now I still don't know how to do everything, but I feel better equipped to jump around and fill the various ministry needs that arise when planning a church. Than I would have had I not have that experience at our home mm-hmm. church.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's great, and that's encouraging. So Brett's an assistant pastor, and I'm quite involved in the church, and our kids are at everything. And sometimes yeah. I feel bad for them because I'm thinking they're not called to the ministry. But then to hear mm-hmm. your testimony of hey, maybe maybe this is equipping for them for for their future ministry one oh, day. So that's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, how did God convince you that serving on a foreign field was his will so uh, I had
2: surrendered long before I had ever met Gary long Mm. before I ever made it to college I remember as a kid our church had a missions conference and I don't remember anything about that missions conference I don't remember the missionaries or the fields uh, but I do remember what felt like God poking at me and saying are you going to do that for me too and at first I was like absolutely not no I'm not doing it it just (laughs) seemed like so (laughs) a little reluctant But it just seemed like such a daunting thing to go to this other country that I don't even know. I don't know the people. I don't know the culture. I don't know the the language. Leave my family behind. I was really close to my family. Um, It just seemed like it was was overwhelming for me. And as a kid, I was like, absolutely not. But thank you for asking anyway. And so... um, (laughs) And so... Went to a youth conference a few years later after I'd gotten saved and I don't even remember what the youth conference was about, but God was working on me and saying, are you going to be willing? Are you going to go? I'm asking you, are you going to go? I'm not going to let this go. And so I finally was like, yes, okay, God, I'll, I'll do the things. I'll go to the mission field. I'll do what you want me to do. Um, not having any idea the journey that God was going to put me on. And so even when we met, when I met my husband, The idea was always in the back of our mind that he may end up going back to Australia. Um, but then we started getting settled in America. And so we, you know, we had our house, we had our cars, we were having kids, we were working in the ministry, we were settled and we were happy. We were actually right around the time that we met that missionary couple, we were starting to look for a house to buy and God continued to close every single door, every single time. And it was then that we are like, okay, God is serious about this. God isn't just trying to show us the burden here. God is trying to get us to move. Um, so it, it did take us a while. It took My husband was a lot more on board with it than I was in the beginning. Um, it took a lot of surrendering little things here and there, um, giving things to him over and over. Okay, well, I, I want to protect my kids, God, but I know you want to protect them better than I do. I know you love them more than I do. I know you have more strength and sovereignty than I do. So I'm going to give them up to you. Well, I had this dream that I wanted to do and this business I wanted to build God and all these things that I had, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Um, So it took little steps here and there until it really felt like, okay, this is what God has for us. And I am, and I am going to give it all as much as I can, as much as I have right now, I'm going to give it to him and see what he does with it
1: amen that's awesome i could relay a little bit to your story because neither brett or i were missions majors mm. and uh we were married and we had a child at this time and brett was still in college and he went forward missions conference and gave you know said i i'm surrendered if god if you want me mm. and he took he came home and told me and i was like oh wow i was <laughs> really surprised because yeah. He was going to go to Bible college for one year and then he was going to be done. And then brother hooker was instrumental in convincing him to go back. So I thought, Whoa, being a missionary is like really different than what I thought you were going to do. So I was, um, I would say nervous about that. And then nothing happened for a year. And then after a year we're right about to make decisions about what we're going to do for our life. My dad had was starting a church, you know, Brett came from an established church there. He was an education major, so he would have mm-hmm. had opportunities wherever. So yeah. it was kind of exciting for me. Like what's God going to do with our life. And then when he went to his, his, senior appointment, God made it abundantly clear that he wanted us to be missionaries. Mm-hmm. And Brett came home and he told me the story and I cried like a baby. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. I yeah. was devastated thinking, mm-hmm. This is what our future is going to be. And we're going to bring our little baby to Africa. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I had already surrendered. So that surrender made when the actuality happened, it made it easier. Cause I had already given, I already, already given it up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't not that it wasn't hard. I did cry. Yeah. But it was God made himself so clear that I mm-hmm. couldn't disobey. Yeah. So. I I love when God makes things so clear. He shuts Mm -hmm. all the doors and he just, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. All right. Well, Mm -hmm. I may not feel very comfortable or equipped or worthy, Mm -hmm. but if that's what you want us to do, let's go.
2: Yeah. I know it's really encouraging for me too, to listen to that too, because it reminds me that God doesn't expect us to give it all up all at the same time, like all at once. Um, Because that's overwhelming. That's overwhelming for us. We're like, here's everything. I'm done. You know, sell your house, walk out. You're done. Right this very second you make this decision. Right. It's really encouraging right. to know that God is very gentle with us and He is very yes. tender with us and he understands our emotions and he understands what we can handle. And sometimes, sometimes some people are like, yes, here's everything. I'm all in. Let's do this. Right. And some people just need more time. And he's so gracious yes. to give time and to give space and to very gently pull those things out from you instead of just ripping them out like a rug um yeah just really tender and gracious way that god um god
1: prepares us i think so you've been on the mission field now for two years mm-hmm. and many missionaries would say that's the hardest time mm-hmm. uh, when you're experiencing all this culture shock and uh praying to love mm-hmm. these people that are so mm-hmm. different than americans yeah. so mm-hmm. what challenges have you faced
2: i think the one thing that i wasn't quite prepared for. Was just how strong that feeling of isolation can be. Mm. Um, I was really close. I still am very close with my family, and we had done lots of things together and saw each other really regularly. And having moved thousands of miles in an ocean away, the feeling of missing out and loneliness was really strong, especially in that first year while we navigated settling into a new country during a lockdown. We were literally in the middle of a lockdown. So we didn't have much, we didn't have a honeymoon period. We were greeted off the plane with military personnel and hazmat suits and went straight into lockdown. It sounds intense. um, And really, I'm grateful for the way it worked out. But because of that, we didn't have much of a chance to really get to know the culture and explore our area very much. And so uh, that really, I think, compounded that feeling of isolation because you're literally stuck in your home. And so I had previously thought that social social media would help us feel connected still. And it was, I mean, it's got its pros and cons, 100%. -hmm. On one hand, we did feel more connected and that we still got to see, you know, nieces and nephews grow up and we got to be a part of some big events that were happening in our friends' lives through FaceTime and, you know, live stream. And, you know, with our home church, seeing what was happening there. But at the same time, it also magnified the things that we were missing out on that we previously could have been a part of, like holidays and church functions and weddings and birthday parties. We were, It was very obvious that we were missing those things. And so it was during a really specifically tough time that God brought some really dear friends my way here in Australia. Some I hadn't spoken to in years, but had gone through the same thing I was experiencing having moved overseas long before I had. And while I was missing out on things in America, that didn't mean that I was missing out on the goodness that God had for me here in Australia. God's goodness to me was not dependent on my location. It was being freely and abundantly lavished on me. And all I could do, all I needed to do was to focus on it. But instead, I was focusing on what I didn't have instead of what God is trying to give me in that moment. And that was when I had to change my prayer. I realized that a lot of good things were still happening in front of my kids were still growing up. We were still getting to experience Australia. We were still making new connections. And I was so focused on the things that I didn't have that I couldn't see what God was giving me in that moment. And so I Mm. knew I had to change. If we were going to last here, I needed to change some things in my life. And so that was when my prayer changed. I used to pray, God, please Work. Please do something. Please help me in this. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I had to change it to, God, please open my eyes to see how you are already working. God was working even when I couldn't see it. Even when I refused to see it, God was still doing stuff. When I could finally see his goodness in every area of my life here in this new home, that was when I could fully embrace the life that I was given here in Australia. Mm. And that's not to say we don't feel homesick anymore. Homesickness, I think, is just a part of a missionary's life. I think it's just, it's part of our makeup. It's, it's, it'll always be there. Um, But now that homesickness doesn't bulldoze over me anymore like it used to. Like I would let it do before. I can feel homesick and still feel grateful for our new home at the same time all the while being grateful for his hand and what he's doing in
1: my life in this moment amen that was so well said i totally agree and i could relate to that 100 it mm. took time for me mm. too and holidays were the worst yeah. because like you're saying you want to call your mom and say merry christmas that is kind of mm-hmm. an appropriate thing to do but that yeah. also phone gets passed around and you're thinking i'm not there and Mm -hmm. my kids don't get to experience this so it just it opens up all of those emotions um holidays holidays were were tough but but you learn and i'm sure you already have that you you will make holidays very special at your house Mm -hmm. um to to combat what you're not having Absolutely. And you'll make some super, super memories and traditions that in Australia, do they do do different stuff there for holidays? Do they have holidays we don't have?
2: Oh, I mean, yeah, they do. We celebrate the Queen's birthday. I mean, the only real holidays, the only real holidays that they really celebrate are Christmas and Easter that I can, I can remember Australia day is kind of a bigger thing too. And that's kind of like our, like okay. America's independence day. Um, but for the most part, the big ones are Christmas and Easter. Um,
1: Okay.
2: So like, especially for Christmas is a weird one. They're both weird ones for me here now because we're, we're in the Southern hemisphere. And so all the, the seasons are flipped, which is just, it, it's right. wild. It's wild to me. I'll never wrap my brain around it. I don't think, you know, Christmas in Michigan, it's a white Christmas usually most of the time but it's you know it's ice skating and it's uh, you know hot cocoa around a fire like all that kind of you know nostalgic christmas mm-hmm. sort of things and here it's summer it is hot it is hot summer it's like i am not a quit. i am not a quit. <laughs> my i am built for parkas and i am built for you know ice skate i am not Build for heat
1: <laughs> oh that's so, funny
2: and so we've had to adjust but yeah usually christmas is spent like at a pool or down by the beach right. and you're cooking on the barbie and you're doing all sorts of stuff and it's like ah, this is weird for me I'll, I'll get there i'll get there eventually i'm sure but right now oh, it's weird
1: <laughs> yeah such a different world mm-hmm. such a different world you said barbie i did that's so funny oh my goodness i'm surprised
2: okay i'm surprised you haven't you're australian yeah i am i was told my accent is watering down it's watering down it is and so i'm good job i'm impressed thank you they have i have to they have to understand me
1: yes yes you're embracing trying
0: Marujo here, resource promoter for the Help Me Abide podcast. We are so glad that you have taken the time out of your busy schedule to listen to our podcast. We know that we are a new podcast and don't have a ton of episodes to choose from. So we wanted to make all of our listeners aware of a fantastic podcast name, The Friend to Friend Podcast. This podcast has a plethora of episodes to glean from. Jessica Smallwood the founder and host of the Friend to Friend podcast, started the podcast as her heart's desire to partner with like-minded Christians, sharing their testimonies and biblical wisdom to equip and encourage the women of her church. This podcast covered a vast array of topics that encouraged and helped ladies all over the world. Although there are no new episodes, this collective resource is still available as a help and encouragement for listeners to continue to glean from. Jennifer Beale, our host, and Mindy Tingson, today's guest, were both members of this podcast team. They both loved and missed their time working with Jessica Smallwood on the Friend to Friend podcast. We hope you will check out this resource and allow the episodes to help you as much as they have helped us.
1: So Mindy, have you um, noticed a specific area of personal growth that you've experienced through your service? Absolutely. Yeah,
2: of course. Um, You know, we're not part of any missions team here in Australia, since like I said earlier, the country is kind of difficult to get in and to stay in and serve in certain areas and and certain circumstances. And so um, as of now, there's no like missions team. Um, So we're working on our own and starting our own ministry from scratch, ground up. Um, And I truly, when we started this, I did not realize just how much work went into starting a church. And that's not to discourage anybody else who's being led in that direction. God has been really, really abundantly good to us and coming alongside of us and helping us. Um, But it was a reality check for me. There are no assistant pastors or kids ministry leaders or nursery workers. Right now, it's us. But thankfully, God has brought in a few families that have been so instrumental and coming alongside us and helping us in this journey. But ultimately, the brunt of the work is falling on our shoulders in these beginning stages right now. And that's very normal. But there's also some very exhausting weeks that we're we're really laboring and we're working and we're trying our best to get this up and running and help the people and try to get the word out. And so... uh, recently I realized I had fallen into this rut of believing that if I didn't do this certain thing then it would never get done and if it didn't get done then people wouldn't feel comfortable or welcomed and then they'd just never come back again and our church would never grow and we'd be doing all this work by, all by ourselves for all of eternity and it would just be us just our family all by ourselves you know really dramatic yeah. dramatic dramatic things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so as I was praying to God about just how tired I was and how I just didn't think I could do it anymore God so gently reminded me of this verse. Um, Matthew sixteen eighteen. it says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, meaning Jesus, I will build mm-hmm. my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God was building his church, not me, right. not Peter, not on anybody else, but only on his son, Jesus Christ. The foundation of truth and righteousness and grace. He had simply invited me to partner with him in bringing the gospel to this area of the world. He would equip. He would give strength. He would grant wisdom and clarity. He would provide opportunities for rest. All I had to do was be willing to actually do the work. And honestly, it's been so incredible to come alongside God and see God do the work. There have been so many times in our church recently you know, we're, we're letterboxing, which is putting like tracks and inv- invitations in people's um, mailboxes, letterboxes. Um, and we, you know, we're talking to people and we're trying to get the word out, but it's been incredible to see how God's bringing people in that we had no connection with. I'd never talked to all of a sudden like, well, I saw this on Facebook or, you know, I got this in my letterbox. And so we're, I'm just coming in and it's just incredible to see how God is building mm. his church, not us. It's all on him and his effort and what he's doing. And honestly, he has fulfilled every one of those requests when I've come to him because he is a faithful and gentle shepherd who is not in the business of overworking his sheep. He gently leads those with young, which is me and my family right now. We have young kids and he has been very gently leading us and very gently um, sort of dipping us into, <laughs> into the calling that he has for us, I guess you could say. Um, and every time I've gone to him and say, God, I'm tired. He's like, here, you can just go rest right now. Go have a break. God, I really need strength right now to get the sun. Okay, great. Here you go. I'm, I'm here for you. What can I do to help? God, I need some clarity as I'm writing this down. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll hear the words to go ahead and write them down. He has been very faithful in this season. And I'm just really thankful to be able to partner with him while we're doing this work.
1: Mindy. This is exactly what I've learned this year. So Ooh. it's just amazing that this is what you're learning on the mission field, but this is also what I'm learning, amazing. Um, in California as an assistant pastor's wife. So yeah. I am learning that same lesson that it's, mm. it's his, it's his church. And it's his work. All mm. I have to do is do what he asks me to do. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Makes my heart happy when Yay. other believers are learning the same lessons. It's so like, cool. wow. We, we must serve the same God. We must have the same <laughs> Holy Spirit. Amazing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so uh, how did the role of faith help you overcome difficult situations?
2: So I truly believe that there's a certain kind of grief that comes when you move to the mission field. Or even just to leave a place you've known and loved, people you've known and loved, a future that you dreamed about and was certain. Uprooting yourself and going to that place even when God most certainly told you to go, means that there will be something left behind. There's a sense of loss when you say goodbye to the comfort of what you had always known, and it's painful to say goodbye. Sacrifice in the Bible is always associated with a death, an animal, a will, a way of living, and death is painful. So it only makes sense that we as humans would grieve what we had to sacrifice. When we stepped on that plane, we sacrificed some things our comfort, the future we had dreamed of for our kids, a ministry we could be a part of, our family, being close to them. And that meant we had to grieve some things. There was a time shortly after we had made it to the field where that pain had fogged up my view of God. I couldn't see him. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hear him. I couldn't feel him. The fog was thick and relentless. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could choose to focus on my pain and allow it to overcome me. or I could acknowledge that I was in pain and lay it before my God. I had to decide in that moment what I was going to believe about God. If my faith was going to remain intact, I had to decide that I believed that God was good to me, even when it didn't feel like he was. I had to trust that our sacrifice was not in vain. I had to trust Mm. that what I allowed to die on the altar was going to, in the end, bring me life. I had to trust God in that moment and it was not easy. There was a lot of times where I simply had to hold on. There's a verse in Psalms. I'm going to butcher it because I didn't write it down, but there's a verse in Psalms that that talks about us holding on to Christ, holding on to God as he's holding on to us. And that's what it felt like. But my grip, my grip isn't strong. My grip is weak. Yeah. I was slipping. Yeah. But thankfully, me being attached to God did not depend on my grip. It depended on God's grip because God was holding me in that moment. God's strength was stronger than mine was. I, my strength was failing, but his was not. And Amen. so I had to simply, I had, and it sounds, it's simple. It sounds simple, but in the moment it's not because you have to make that choice every day, every minute of every day, this thought comes in my brain. Oh, Well, you know, I got to decide. I got to trust God right now. This, this thing, Mm. this thing comes up and it's triggering this emotion. You know what? God is still good to me. God is still going to be good to me. And I, I am going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see it. I believe it. And I trust it. And so slowly, the more I laid my pain at his feet, the more the veil of fog was lifted away. He was healing with every choice to trust God. Even when I couldn't see him, he allowed me to see more and more of his goodness to me and my family. My faith in God was not strong, but my God is strong. And it was his strength that has gotten me to the other side of my trial. Today, I was telling you earlier, you know, um, God has been so abundantly good. And it's now that that fog is gone. I, there, there's still pain at times. There's still things that trigger that pain in me. Um, but God, God is so abundantly good. It, uh, we are not... Here on the mission field, simply surviving, God has gotten us to the point where we are thriving where we are. My kids are doing great. My family is strong. And it doesn't mean that we don't have hard times because we do. But overall, God has been so abundantly good to us in ways that I just never could have imagined. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine how good God could be to me. And yet he is when I don't deserve it, when I when I, when I I mess up over and over again, he is still good to me. And I'm thankful that he made a way for me to be able to see it so that I can give him the praise and the glory that he deserves because he deserves so much more than what I have to give him. He's so, so good friend.
1: Amen. He's so worthy. You made me think of the verse, I believe helped out my unbelief. That's beautiful, beautiful answer. Was there a time that you had to completely surrender an area of your life to God's perfect will?
2: Absolutely. Um, Here on the field, like I said, it's been a slow process of Surrendering things over and over again, and here on the field was another big one. You know, we had three kids while we were on deputation, and we constantly got asked if we would have any more kids because I think my youngest was a year and a half to when we started. So that's kind of like okay, you know, the age gap and things like that. So people would ask, and we always joked, but we're also kind of serious <laughs> that we would wait until we got to Australia and then we would decide, which makes sense. You know, we wanted to get to a place where we got, you know, settled and things like that. And so, our plan was when we got to Australia. We would wait six to 12 months until we felt more settled. And then we would start having the conversation about maybe having more kids, (laughs) (laughs) but we were happy. Honestly, we were good. And so two months into living into Australia and God made the decision for us, we were having another baby. (laughs) So surprise, (laughs) don't worry, guys. God got it. So on top of navigating the healthcare system of a country I was barely familiar with, I was really, really sick. Um, I had horrible, horrible morning sickness where I was losing a ton of weight. Then I got contracted COVID in that first trimester. I had multiple UTIs, high blood pressure, gestational diabetes, group B strep, a mysterious infection at the end that they just could never pinpoint. They just kept putting me on antibiotics for it. And then finally at the end, I had preeclampsia. So none of those I had ever experienced in any of my previous pregnancies. So this was all new, all new, uncharted territory for me. And all of those problems led to concerns with my health and the baby's development. There were strings of doctor's appointments where I would be told something new was wrong with me or that my medication needed to be switched again over and over and over and over. And we joked around with the doctors that I had like a pregnancy bingo card and was just seeing how many times I could hit bingo. (laughs) A lot. It was a lot of times. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but honestly, every time I would leave the doctors, I would just cry my entire way home because it was just mm. so overwhelming to be told that this is wrong with you. And then this is wrong with you. We got to change this. We're looking, we got to watch for this with the baby. Are you experiencing these symptoms? Those sort of things. So truly, honestly, I wanted to go back back to a culture, I knew a healthcare system that I could navigate easier, a place where we had a strong support system. But I knew that my flesh was talking, not my faith. I knew that when God told us to go to Australia, he wasn't sending us alone. God is not confined to the borders of a country. He was just as present with me as I walked into the doctor's office and on those long drives home as he was when we were on deputation and living in America. My flesh wanted to go back. But knowing that God wanted us in Australia compelled me to stay, even when I couldn't see what the outcome would be. The day I gave birth to our daughter was the day I saw God answer a myriad of prayers all at once. Although she was considered a preemie, she was perfectly healthy. We didn't need any interventions. One neat thing that God did, out of a million things that God did, but one really cool thing that he did, I had learned that babies weighing 2.5 kilos at birth, that's around five and a half pounds, five pounds, eight ounces ounces—um, So babies born with that weight, they had to be placed in the special care nursery, even if they were healthy, just as a precaution, just to keep an eye on them. Hmm. Isla was born weighing, weighing 2.6 kilos. Mm, love it. <laughs> Just enough above that threshold weight to avoid the special care nursery altogether. Honestly, if that's if that's not God, I don't know what is. I mean, honestly, it was so one hundred percent a God thing. <laughs> and, love it. And you know, I don't know what the outcome would have been had we gone back to America for the pregnancy. It could have been better. It could have been the same. It could have been worse. You don't really know. What I do know, though, is that if I had gone back then, I would have missed out on all that God had to show me about his faithfulness, about his care for me and my family, about his sovereignty. And those are parts of him that I can now cling on to when life gets hard again, because it is going to get hard again. There are going to be things that come back again in my life that are going to make me cling to him even stronger. But I can go back to this now and say, God, you were faithful then. You protected us then. You watched over us then. I'm expecting that you'll do it again because that's who you are at your core. And he is a very good, good father, even when times get tough. And that was one of the things I really had to learn and really had to surrender to him and say, God, I don't know what's happening here, but I know you and I know what you're going to do. And I know you're going to be here with me. You're going to walk me through it. So God, I'm giving this to you. And honestly, he just, he just uh, over all my expectations. He's incredible.
1: Yay. I love that story. And baby Isla is doing well. She's, how old is she now?
2: 13 months now. Yeah. She's doing really wow. good. Really good.
1: She's a beautiful baby. Oh, thank Gorgeous. You. And she seems very happy. Yeah. Is she sleeping for you? No,
2: not at all, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One day We're she will. Talk no, that's okay. It's a touchy We're something. One that. day though, I have
2: hope. <laughs> God is going to answer my prayer. And one day she's going to sleep
1: and it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> Amen. That's going to be some beautiful mm, sleep. Great. Be I know having day. a, <laughs> yes, I know what that's like just having a special needs child. It's oh. been, it's been 10 years of oh. um, not great sleep, but when I get a night, mm. it is the best it is a treasure, Amen. I tell you. Okay. What have you learned from the people you serve? Are Australians different than Americans?
2: Very much so, and they will tell you. They will tell you right to your face. They're proud. Oh, yeah. They're proud of their differences. Oh, they are. <laughs> Honestly, I learned the importance of authenticity through them, truly. Australian people can be considered a little blunt, at times and not in a bad way, honestly, not in a bad way. They're pretty direct and they'll just be like, Hey, this is what it is. And honestly, I appreciate the honesty. Um, I appreciate the honesty in relationships and they can spot a fake a mile away. And it is actually a really refreshing way to do life with people. Honestly, it's a little hurtful at times, but (laughs) (laughs) really refreshing, honestly. And it is such a gift to be honest with people and not have to hide behind pretenses or fake kindnesses. And there are several friends that God has given me here in Australia that I feel like I can truly be myself with, which is so such a gift, honestly. However, it has required me to be honest with both myself and my friends. Authenticity breeds connection. God has created us all uniquely and purposefully, and we do his creative authority a disservice by trying to mold ourselves into being someone that God did not intend us to be. By embracing who God made me and the gifts and strengths He has given me, there is a new confidence that who I am is who God needs in this moment. That doesn't mean that there is not any need for growth. God very gently reveals areas in my life that I need more tending to because He knows I know, and He knows I am not perfect. I'll never get to perfection. So He very He very gently and very kindly shows me ways and convicts me and shows me, look, you got to fix this. You got to you got to work on this a little bit. But knowing I am loved fully by my creator in the middle of all these imperfections, in the middle of all the things that I do wrong, it gives me more freedom to love others the way he would have me to without the worry of what others are thinking or what my motives ought to be. Honestly, I really, I've really appreciated just the authenticity of the Australian people. Um, The, when they decide something, they are all in. When, when someone in Australia decides to be a Christian, they are a Christian they are doing it, yeah. they're there, they're at the church, they're trying everything they can. And that has just been such an encouragement to me to see the way that they just, they are who God made them to be. And it's just, it's really encouraging.
1: Cool, good job, Australia. Yeah, people. they're so great, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So what advice could you offer for those considering missionary work or looking to make a difference in the world? So just coming from my own experience, my biggest advice would be to find
2: someone who is a little ahead of where you are and ask them all the questions. Pray that God would bring the right person for the job, someone you connect with and can trust. It doesn't even have to be someone who has walked the path that you're on. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who, you know, was a ministry worker in the same ministry that you're looking to go into, or just somebody who can come alongside you and help guide you as a mother, a wife, a ministry worker, as a Christian. I don't think this is just for moms and just for wives or just for, you know, ministry wives. I think this is for Christians in general. Titus 2 talks about this, you know, the older women coming alongside the younger women and helping them and showing them how to be a good Christian and how to walk out the gospel in their homes. And there have been many women in my life who have come alongside me and they've encouraged me and they've challenged me. And I'm so thankful for their influence in my life. And we can never lessen the importance of a good, godly Titus 2 friendship because it's a gift. Truly, it's a gift. It's not all, It's not as easy to come by as we might think it is when we're reading Titus 2. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just find someone. It's not as easy to come by. But when it does come, it is rich and it is so such a blessing from God. And honestly, it's one of those things that I'm praying that maybe one of these days when I'm a little bit older and I've got more experience, I can find someone. God will show me the right person. Okay. You need to help mentor this girl as she's coming up behind you, as she's, you know, trying to raise her family, as she's trying to follow her husband into ministry, you need to help her. Um, And so, yeah, I just think that that's such an important and overlooked aspect of the ministry is just finding someone to help walk you through these things, that they've already they've already gone through some of those situations, or they have insight and experience and wisdom that you just don't have. That would be my biggest, my biggest advice is to pray that God would bring someone alongside you.
1: I love that advice. And funny, you should mention Titus too. Paul, he could have told Titus, hey, you need to teach mm-hmm. these ladies. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He said, Titus, you need to have the older ladies Absolutely. teach the younger ladies because it's one thing coming from a man. It's another thing coming from a woman, mm-hmm. a woman with experience who's been there and done that and can show Amen. you what, oh, friend to friend, friend to friend Yay. hope um, and can show you mm-hmm. the, way, the way through it. So I'm thinking season two of the podcast is going mm-hmm. to be on Titus 2. Ooh. And I'm going to have some older ladies wow. in our church and older ladies across America just talk about the different things in in that passage. Definitely seems like that's where the Lord's directing. So I'm excited about season two Yay. coming up, the Titus 2, the Titus 2 ladies. So.
2: Love that. That's so exciting.
1: It is exciting. Uh, so yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Look at the Lord using you.
2: <laughs> it's all Jesus.
1: So our podcast versus Psalm 91.1, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. What verse has helped you abide in the secret place? Over the past years, it has been
2: Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29. I'm sure like everybody can quote this one. and That's wonderful. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. One of my lifelong temptations is to take it all and put it all on my shoulders, either out of pride to prove that I can to people who told me that I couldn't or out of people pleasing, because I don't want to bother anybody else with it. I'll just do it myself. Thankfully, I don't have to do either of those things. Jesus invites us to share the burden with him. Not only is he inviting us to work alongside, and he also promises to teach us with all of his experience and his wisdom, his heart towards us is gentle and tender Mm. And he's always expectant and waiting to jump in and help us at a moment's notice. He wants Mm -hmm. to provide rest for us. We just have to partner with him instead of endeavoring all on our own. This is his work after all. We are just given the opportunity to have part in the blessing of working with him and seeing what he does with our meager offerings. I don't bring a lot to the table. I don't have anything worthy enough to give to him, but I do have it. And so I give him what I have, hoping and expecting that he'll take what I have and he'll use it to further his gospel, to reach more people, to change more lives, to touch their hearts, to do whatever he needs to do to get them into his fold, to get them to experience the love that he has for them. I'm just thankful that it's it's truly, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity and a privilege to be able to work alongside him that I have been learning to not take for granted because not everybody gets to have the same kind of opportunity. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that I have to work alongside him and see him doing his work.
1: Amen and amen. What a great person to work with, isn't mm, it?
2: Best co-worker.
1: going to say best co-worker, but really he's the boss. <laughs> yeah, he, is. <laughs> he is. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. And thank Gary for watching the kids for me. I do appreciate that very much. <laughs> Looking forward to see what God continues to do in your ministry.
3: Well, I tried him, and I found his promises are true. He's everything he said that he would be. The finest words I know could not begin to tell just how much Jesus really means to me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the help me abide podcast we hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did if you have any questions or comments please feel free to reach out to us on social media or through our podcast website www.helpmeabide.com don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode the help me abide podcast is a ministry of the faith baptist church of wildemar california pastored by pastor bruce goddard That being said, it's important to remember that this podcast is not a substitute for regular church attendance. We encourage all of our listeners to be faithful members of a local, independent, Bible-believing Baptist church. My heartfelt gratitude goes out to Mrs. Tammy Goddard, who facilitates the podcast, Lisa Grubb, who expertly directs our social media outreach, Connie Marujo, who tirelessly promotes our resources, and Lindsay Osgood, who provides the perfect musical accompaniment to the interviews. Without our amazing team, this podcast would not be possible. Also, big thanks to Faith Music Missions and Hiles Anderson College for allowing us to use their beautiful music on our podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon with more inspiring content.